0: You're listening to the Marketing Agility Podcast with Frank Days and Roland Smart. In this episode, we're talking with Kylie Vorader, a creative program manager at Verbo, formerly known as VRBO or HomeAway. She's in what she refers to as the messy middle of scaling the agile implementation at Verbo. We're going to dig into that, what's working, where the impediments are, and where they're headed from here. We'll kick off that conversation right after this brief announcement. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at the Business Agility Institute. Their upcoming Business Agility Conference is just around the corner on March 11th and 12th in New York City. I'll be there. There's a whole track on marketing. Listeners of this podcast, you get 20% off registration. How do you do it? You go to rsmartly forward slash bacon 2020. That's R S M A R T period L Y forward slash B A C O N 2020. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Kylie, welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, we're excited to hear about your experience. And I think I'm saying this right, Verbo formally known as VRBO.
1: That's correct.
0: (laughs) All right. So you've been involved in getting that organization up and running with Agile Marketing. Can you kick us off just by giving us a little bit of background on the organization, what you're focused on, and how long you've been at this Agile adoption thing?
1: Yeah, certainly. So I have a long tenure at Verbo. I actually started with the company in 2006 and worked in a few different marketing settings. And through all of that, it was very typical program project management where you have a fixed due date and a timeline and you're trying to run things through the assembly line. And so I personally became interested in Agile as a way to tackle some issues that my teams are having with just coordinating and moving quicker. So it was just kind of a personal quest for me over the past four or five years or so. And typically the resistance I always got from fellow marketers was that that doesn't work for marketing. <laughs> and so it was awesome to start to see some thought leadership around marketing agility and really approaching some of the work that we do from either creating assets for marketing channels or thinking through campaigns and to start to put a different way of working together into some formal practices and stuff like that. So it became a personal passion and something that just a convergence of people who got interested in that were aligned with starting to build out our internal creative department at Verbo, And in that setting, we were able to start to build some teams that were really going after working in an Agile fashion. And we got formal training. That's where Andrea Fryer at, at Agile Surplus came in and helped us to get set up in a way to start to practice some of the stuff we were learning. And we've been running in that way for about... Eighteen months. Just prior to that, I piloted a team, an agile team, for about six months or so, and had enough a, a good digging in experience with about five people, a nice sized team with enough autonomy to really drive some gains and see some things happen that was really exciting for me. I loved the process of piloting that and being able to take some of those learnings to other teams as we have been attempting to scale that out across several different marketing kind of sub-departments or sub-pockets of agile teams.
0: So can you put the scale in perspective for us? How many teams are there at Verbo?
1: So we've got, this is just within the marketing space. So much of the the product and engineering side of the business has already been practicing this for years and years. This is newer to marketing for us. So we've got the creative department of about 30 people. And across that, we're running about eight ad pods, is what we're calling it. So it's affecting our marketing channels and how we're creating assets for those and working across different cross-departmental campaigns and work like that. So I would say it, it's affecting Maybe a hundred, few hundred people, with pockets where it's probably taken more effect, and somewhere it's struggling
2: more. Can you share a little bit about some of the results that you've seen over this eighteen months? I mean, how do you know it's working? How do you know it's maybe struggling?
1: Absolutely, I would say that the successes I've seen have been both in terms of been able to drive results to goals, which is the bottom line—is wanting to affect change where it matters to customers and where you're seeing, you know, true business metrics getting affected, but I approach it from a coaching standpoint. And so I'm always looking to improve how people are working together.
0: How long did you say you were into this process?
1: We are about 18 months into really pursuing agility within individual creative teams.
0: Okay. Within our marketing department. Yeah. So that's long enough to have made some significant progress. I assume like you've gone through a bunch of retrospectives. You Mm -hmm. likely are starting to get to methods that are working for you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned along the way?
1: I have worked with the same team as a dedicated scrum master for that entire period. And what I found right away was that it's pretty easy to apply some of the things you learn from a class. And I had recently certified as a scrum master and we had recently gone through that corporate training. So it's easy to start doing some of the agile ceremonies, especially when you're coming from a scrum perspective and starting to implement daily standups and those regular things. But what I found was a couple of things are key and everything else is really flexible to serve the team. And so once we started doing regular process retrospectives, I could see that when things started to crowd that out and if I got pushback from members of the team that they just didn't have time for retros or kind of questioning the value of that, I found that that's when tensions would start to rise. That's when we would start to hit roadblocks in things that should be easier to iron out than they were. And when we went back to committing to those regular process retros, it was like the whole team had a chance to exhale. It's like they were holding their breath and it just relieved that tension and let that air out of the room. So that's been a key learning for me. And then as I've worked with new teams, it's often that that team hadn't been on a regular cadence of having process retros. They might've inspected parts of their performance, the performance of assets, but as a team, they weren't working on that collaborative element and talking through some of the issues that came up in a way that was constructive and was forward-looking. And so I find that just having a structured retro is essential. and. And for teams, the cadence is different. I don't subscribe to any kind of rigid schedule for that. One team I work with works on two-week sprints, and that works really well for them. But another team I work with needs a different kind of cadence. And so it's really it's getting to know that team and what it needs. And then going back to the principles and taking... That agile principle foundation, and then building a process around that that helps to serve that team instead of the team serving the process. Really, I'm a big emphasizer of you know what's working here. What can we let go of?
2: So, how agile would you say your team is today in terms of people? There's two parts to it, right? There's the people who are doing agile. You know, how close are they to common rituals versus? The second part of the question is, what percentage of the marketing team is actually a part of a scrum team or some agile pod?
1: The percentage of involvement in agile, maybe 40%. And then for how effective that is, it really varies. It varies from working group to working group. I have one where I would say, if you're giving them like a health rating, one to 10, that they're at a nine, they're functioning well. And then there are other teams where There's just a lot of change and they're going through that typical change curve where they're kind of in that trough (laughs) at the moment and trying to regroup and find their feet again and then start to gain both efficiency and velocity and a clearer vision for where they're going. But there's pockets of agility done well. And then there's places where I think that's one of the challenges that we're facing to scale agile is to bring a little bit more of a consistency across the way we're approaching that team to team.
0: Well, that's a good segue. I was just about to ask. You talked about having the process serve the team, but when it comes to scale, like there is a balancing act to be done with respect to how much flexibility you give a pod versus how much consistency you're trying to drive across the organization. I'm, Can you just speak to how has your organization been thinking about that or grappling with it? Or what practices have you embraced to find that balance?
1: We're definitely still in the grappling stage. The practice that I am familiar with, and I recently went to a workshop on, was just a very high level overview of Scrum at scale, and I found that to be a really interesting take on how you start to get system level and organization level agility, even how you start to think about it and build some kind of a way of thinking about it. I would say at this point, I am at just that first level on a ladder of trying to climb towards that, where it's just, we're having conversations. And right now it's discussions around what does this look like? Where are some of the places where there are natural groupings for teams where they're serving a similar customer or or similar line of the business. So that was one of my takeaways from starting to dig into scaling a little bit. And according to a framework, which happened to be Scrum at Scale, one of the things that I got out of that workshop, a few of the main takeaways, one was that it doesn't work to just take a handful of teams and decide that they are a Scrum of Scrums that there's no natural affinity there, that there's not a reason to have that be a Scrum of Scrums. And so the takeaway was really looking for where there are those natural affinities and reasons to be in a grouping like that. And so that at a Scrum of Scrum level, there's a backlog for that level, that there is a a Scrum master at that level who is helping to solve problems across that system. So it's a bigger system. It's at the system level instead of a team level. And at that level, there's got to be a reason for those teams to be trying to... They're solving the same problems. They're facing the same impediments. And so that was a takeaway. And I think one of the big challenges for me to start to wrap my head around what does Scrum at scale look like or what does just scaled agility look like is that these things work great on paper. They're theoretical (laughs) in nature and they're kind of engineered and look nice and neat. And then you start to apply the realities of teams to that and it gets a little bit messier. So, you know, a team is always facing the ups and downs that every team faces. People come in and out, there's employee turnover, people are people. So they've got their own lives outside of work that will affect how that pod collaborates. And you're just always facing the different changes in the landscape in which you're working. Marketing is an ever-changing landscape. So for us, it is, I think, starting to have the discussions around what are the natural affinities, where is their use case for building a system around that, that helps support all those teams in that system with, with some of the same problem solving some of the same, you know, where do we need to align on, on our, our goals and things like that. So that's a really interesting way to look at it. I wouldn't say that it's something we're practicing
2: yet. So you're in the grappling stage, right? Starting to think about what it takes to get your organization to scale to the next level. Is this an issue that you personally in your role as a scrum master you're thinking about, or is this something that the organization is saying, Hey, we need to think about how to get you know,
0: agile to the next level?
1: There's some of both. For my department, I am probably the one thinking about it the most. And I think that's where it's a challenge. I'm coming at it as one of the program managers in our department and just trying to be a resource for, here are some ideas, here's some food for thought. It's certainly, I think it's something that the org is wrestling with and approaching but less so in the non-technical departments. And that's, I think, the challenge where it's one thing to always be adapting Agile to non-technical teams. And I think it's an even larger challenge to start to adapt some of the scaling frameworks outside of a tech team where there's a lot of documentation and use cases and thought leadership in that. There's just not that much for marketing specifically.
0: So when you think about scaling, is that inclusive of how are you going to make sure that the pods or the squads or whatever you call them stay in alignment with the strategic plan of the business? Is there a strategic planning framework? And is there an effort afoot to somehow tie the backlogs to that strategic planning process?
1: Yeah, I think it's exactly the way you describe it. There's certainly a strategic planning framework there's a lot of alignment in the ideas and in the direction that teams want to go in, but it's at the team level where we both have a lot of power, but we also have a lot of challenges. And the power that teams have is to say, here's our capacity, here's how we work together, here's how we, have over time, become a high-functioning team, and so that we can tackle that strategy and, and become more powerful in the way we approach that. So that's, I think, right where we are in this kind of messy middle of both having a clear strategy and a clear strategic framework, but now trying to evolve our processes and the way we're working to really be that powerhouse <laughs> team that is high functioning and can take that on fully. So it's, I'm sure that's kind of the problem that we'll always be solving for is... How do we just continually improve in order to create teams that are ready for all the challenges that are coming from the strategic direction that we're looking at?
2: Great, so just maybe one last question. What advice would you give to someone who's you know maybe where you were eighteen months ago, really just kind of getting started and thinking about it and considering it, and trying to put the pieces together?
1: I would really advise that team that's taking on, whether it's a leadership team or in part of the org, to agree and have a shared understanding of why we're doing this. There, it's so important to, when you're implementing change and you're asking people to come along with you on a big change is to say, here's why we're doing this. And here are the benefits that we think we're going to see from this. There's a lot of documentation around how agility can help people really engage with work. And we know that employee engagement is a huge driver of all kinds of success. Everything from some of the agile outcomes that you're looking for, like velocity and collaboration and alignment, but it also, it just makes you know, companies healthier. So it's starting with the why. I think that's really important. I also would advise people to prioritize retros that retrospective process is really vital for continuous improvement. There's just no way around having those kinds of structured discussions and constructive feedback. You can't improve without it. And then just building in a framework that always goes back to that agile layer of principles. I try to take my teams through at least a twice-yearly kind of reset and walk through the principles again and how they apply to us and, you know, how well are they serving us and how are we building a framework to work on, to work together in that is supported by those principles. You know, I recently took a team through this type of a reset and asked, is this something we can all get behind? And they totally agree. They really welcomed it. And it's a good place to start for a working group that has to work together to start to transform them into a true high-functioning team that enjoys working together.
2: Great. Well, I love the reset idea. That's kind of you know, fresh thought. Kelly, thanks for joining us today. I think it was a pretty interesting conversation and I think I've learned some new things. Just as a reminder to our listeners out there, the Marketing Agility Podcast can be found at agilemarketingblog.com. It can also be found on iTunes. If you like this podcast, show us some love on iTunes with a review. And thank you again, everyone, for joining us today and please stay agile.